you really mustn't, darling. I... What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Can I Comment? I'm Michael. And I'm Jake. <laughs> and, and my co-host forgot his, his name. Um, and uh, hey, we're excited today. This is going to be a fun episode. We're going to just have a conversation um, uh, just about uh, a post that we saw recently online. Part of the whole reason we do this podcast is to just take uh, some things that are sometimes often said about Christianity or the church um, that on the surface seem like they could make sense um, and just unpack those, figure out, kind of try and get to to the root uh, of what they mean. Um, we didn't have an episode last week um, because, well, oh, yeah. because we talk you, gave me co- you gave me COVID. I did not give you COVID. Let's not spread that rumor. <laughs> you got COVID. I got COVID. From somebody else. <laughs> from somebody else, not you. Um, you think it was your father? I do think it was my father. <clears throat> He came into town, although he's vaccinated too, but apparently, apparently that doesn't matter. Apparently it doesn't matter. Um, So he was really the only person we were, you know, around anyways, but I got it, was sick for a few days and then my wife got it. Well, you were around other people too. And I was around other people, obviously. You are are a pastor. But yeah. Always um, seeing people. But I I wonder how many people you gave COVID to without realizing it before your symptoms. I don't know. I don't know. Not that I know of. It's always I, a fun I tr- thought experiment. I, I know. I know. It is that weird, like, um, you feel like you have the scarlet letter For or sure. something, you know? I, I think the best thing is just to own it. Yeah. That's all you can do. Yeah. You know? So, did that. How are you, how are you feeling? Uh, a lot better. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't that bad. I mean, it was like, I had... Um, I had fever for a few days, like four days, not even that high, like around 100 and 100.5. Did you have to manage it? Like, were you taking Tylenol to keep it low or that's yeah. just like, okay. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, anytime I got it, it never went above that. Got so it. like if I woke up in the night or whatever. And then my throat hurt for a couple of days. I had a bit of congestion and that's pretty much it. I lost my taste and smell. Yep. Um, and then my wife has it and she wouldn't have even known she'd had it had she not taken a test. So she kind of has like the sniffles. Right. Um... So, you know, but here we are. On the other side. Just on, on the other side of it. You made see it. Another day, I'm a survivor. You're a survivor. I am a survivor. So, um, but that's where we were last week. And uh, we have some exciting interviews coming up over the next few weeks. But we just thought today um, we would just sit down and have a conversation between the two of us and uh, try and ask you some tough questions. We're going to talk about some We're going to talk questions. about some tough questions. I am not your guru. <laughs> Isn't that a movie? Is that the Tony? Oh, the Tony Robbins movie? I think it is. Yeah. I, am, I am not your theological guru. I'm not. That's basically the way I live, though. I kind of go, I don't really need to know theology because you know it for me. <laughs> so as long as, as, long as I can. The buck has to stop somewhere. <laughs> um, okay, so here's this post. Um, and this, you know, from time to time, um, I will see or you will see these things that maybe someone we know has reposted or or whatever. There's always uh, it feels like kind of more than ever Christianity. Christianity is in the crosshairs. Ooh. We are being just persecuted like we never have been before. But um, it like, does <laughs> like we never have been before. Um, but I do sometimes see some posts that you know. <clears throat> I find interesting because they kind of uh, are 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 making a really strong point, mm-hmm. 
Uh, but then either they don't really make sense mm-hmm. kind of beneath the surface, um, or they're actually not even saying something about Christianity that most Christians believe. Right. That's, you know? that's what I find to be most common. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's like a lot of generalities, generalizations, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of very like broad brushed kind mm-hmm. of. Yeah. Of, and then like caricatures, I think too, of Christianity. Ex- exactly. And then a lot of like straw man arguments, like they'll, um, they'll just kind of put something forth with like a high degree of confidence. Exactly. Um, exactly. And then uh, that they think represents right. Christianity and then they'll knock it down with, you know, what, what they believe. We, yeah. But the thing that they put forward is not really an accurate right. representation. Right. Yeah. It, it's, um, it's definitely, it, well, the new thing is now that it's now bad or, if you grew up in a church that taught Christianity as the truth, mm-hmm. um, you, you were like not properly taught mm-hmm. or you were indoctrinated. Indoctrinated. Like there's a lot of conversation, uh, a lot of statements now about like evangelicalism is a cult. And mm-hmm. like a lot of the language is now like, I'm leaving this indoctrination. Mm-hmm. And it's an indoctrination because how dare they claim mm-hmm. um, something some, to be true. Something to be true. And it really is just symptomatic of. Um, of postmodern thought, right? I think, um, right. So here's one that's interesting. So this is uh, this was a post uh, from a really popular account um, uh, that is kind of essentially claiming to like plays the role, has assumed the role of being like we're going to help you uh, not just deconstruct but come to terms with the trauma of mm. growing up in in evangelical Christianity. <clears throat> Is how they would would say it. So I grew up in evangelical Christianity, evangelical spaces, as they like to the to call it. It's, it's, everything's a space. Everything's a space. So it's a space. So we're creating safe space. spaces versus evangelical spaces. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> we are creating a safe space for you to heal from your. And we've talked in the past. Obviously, there are some people that have like abuses and we stuff happens. We're not negating that. However, oftentimes, what's now being done is taken basically basic tenets of Christian faith mm-hmm. um and and kind of turning those into abuses. they are the weapon they are the they weapon are the abusive weapon so here's a post and i just wanted to kind of read it kind of go through it almost point by point um because i actually think um some people who are christians who may have not thought super deeply about some of this stuff can read something like this and go oh huh that that's kind of i i can kind of identify with that right yeah um, even as i was reading it <clears throat> there's certainly things in uh, in the post that I'm like, oh yeah, that's fine. Yeah, totally, totally fair. Right. And then there's like at least one line in each po- slide of it that's like, oh no, that's that's the yeah, that's okay. the thing that yeah, you're, you're yeah. off there. Yeah. So this is um, basically the post is titled uh, "This is what indoctrination looks like." So basically, what they're doing is they're kind of laying out a framework for this is what indoctrination is. Uh, this is what you've been indoctrinated uh, with. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's why that's toxic, right? So they say, we hope this helps pinpoint certain theological opinions that were presented as absolute truth so that you can further heal. So this is already saying, basically, there's some theological things that are being taught as truth that are not truth, their opinion, and you need to heal from those. So uh, the first thing I want to do is they they essentially define indoctrination. So I thought maybe we could kind of go okay is as, as I would christians say even more than that sorry just to interject no really you're quick, good i don't think they're even just saying there are things that are taught as truth that are actually just opinions and you need to heal from that i think that they're reluctant to call anything truth 
at all. At all. Right. Um, and when something is called truth and uh, confidently stood behind as truth, mm -hmm. then that is what they would call a weapon. Right. And so, and this is what makes a, you know, a conversation like this <clears throat> really difficult a lot of the times is that um, I, I, my feeling is that we're, we're starting from two very different presuppositions. Right. I'm presupposing that objective truth is real and that God right. sets that truth. Not just real, but okay. And good. Right. And good. Good. Yeah. Not, Healthy. not a weapon Needed. or not a thing that is bad. Right. Right. No. Um, there is a reality, and if I want to uh, uh, live healthy, then I my objective should be to conform with that reality as opposed to conforming with lies. Right. Um, and I use the word lies on purpose because the opposite of truth is lies, mm -hmm. and if truth is healthy, then lies are harmful. Right. Um, and so that's our presupposition. And I, I would venture to say that their presupposition is probably very different as it relates to truth. Right. So it's not just that they have a problem with opinions mm -hmm. being shared as truth. I think they have a problem with truth and anything at all being shared as truth. Yeah, I don't know that they could even say that truth is a thing. Right. I think everything is an opinion in their eyes. Right. Right. <laughs> so the first thing they say, so they're, they're, they're defining indoctrination. So indoctrination is teaching a one-sided view that dismisses and ignores other opinions and is an uncritical and manipulated teaching of a topic. Mm -hmm. So indoctrination is essentially what it sounds like they're saying is indoctrination is presenting one side, right. a, a one-sided view without even attempting to show some of the things that may be broken mm -hmm. about that view. Right. Um, yeah, and I think that's probably a textbook definition of indoctrination. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. Um, and I think that if somebody is teaching something as as true, um, especially like core tenets of of Christianity mm -hmm. that are like uh, very biblically backed and mm -hmm. and taken to be obviously orthodox, um, in in that sense, all education uh, is going to be, uh, I guess, somewhat indoctrinating mm -hmm. um, because we believe that it is true. So I, I would I would just First of all, I would say, okay, well, maybe mm -hmm. you're right, um, but that doesn't automatically mean that that is in itself um, a bad behavior. Mm -hmm. um, is that me or you? That's, oh, that's me. Not me. I will. That's Joe Pringle here. That's <laughs> good old let's Joey P. Decline <laughs> that. Thanks, Joe. Um, Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's almost like. <clears throat> to me, it's like, cause then they, so they, cause they talk about indoctrination and then they say, okay, well, what education is, is education is teaching with disclosure of other viewpoints. Indoctrination is teaching no alternative viewpoints or using brainwashing tactics to ensure others' viewpoints are seen as false. Mm -hmm. So in other words, <laughs> we're going to teach you this thing that's true. And while we're also doing that, we're going to, part of that is going to be teaching you that why, why it's some of these other things that mm -hmm. you're being taught are false. Mm -hmm sort of pitting one thing against the other, which to me is like, um, I guess that's the whole point mm -hmm. of teaching. Mm -hmm. Like so you want to arrive somewhere. You got to arrive somewhere. Yeah. Right. And, and that's the thing is like, don't fear the concrete. Right? Exactly. Like you got to land somewhere. Exactly. And because I think something's concrete doesn't mean that I'm trying to manipulate you into thinking that this wall is white. Right. I don't have to yes. like manipulate that is a truth, you. That is a it true is a true statement. statement. Yeah. And so no, no matter how much I try and prove me. to you that it's not brown, <laughs> right. it's white. Yeah, it is white. And right. that is not indoctrination. Right. And that's a, that's a, a really good example mm -hmm. um, when you just put it really simply like that. Um, and then I think there are other things, you know, if we're, if we're talking specifically within the context of Christianity, 
then there are certain things in scripture in which there can be a multiplicity of viewpoints and mm -hmm. that's okay. Mm -hmm. And sometimes uh, a pastor might be really committed or a, or a Bible teacher might be really committed to a certain viewpoint mm -hmm. and they fear maybe the outcome of other viewpoints. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, let's, let's like use an example of like, let's say it's uh, uh, women in ministry, right? right? Like women teaching in, in a church. Um, and maybe they're like hardcore against that. Mm -hmm. Um, and they fear the outcome. Um, usually that's genuine. Like they, they genuinely fear, uh, going against what they perceive to be, mm -hmm. um, the truth in God's word. And so they're going to teach one and then like not even give light of day, mm -hmm. uh, to the others. That's pretty hard to do now in, mm -hmm. in the age of the internet. Mm -hmm. Like I remember growing up in church, there was this kind of just thing. It's like, oh, you don't really listen to anybody else. You yeah. just you hear your pastor. Yeah. Um, cause there just wasn't the opportunity. There wasn't the opportunity. Yeah. And now that's impossible. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, it, you know, it's kind of almost a moot point in that regard. Like right. people are going to hear alternative view. Oh, there's a gnarly siren. There goes a siren. People are going to hear alternative viewpoints, whether, you know, the person right. wants them to or not. Right. Um, and right. so I think in, in some cases it's, it's better to yeah. talk about what other viewpoints might be. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I, t I tend to like teach pretty confidently yep. what I think is true. Do you think that there's a, because I think about this um, sometimes and I try to, anytime I'm teaching, I will try and think about this. And that is that like, I think our generation does have this like immediate um, suspicion or cynicism towards like, what, what what's this person trying to sell me on? Right. And what's the, what are the holes in it? Yeah. You know, yeah. do you think maybe part of even just this comes from like, wow, we can't even actually see when truth is being presented to us because mm -hmm. we're actually like so mm -hmm. geared and wired mm -hmm. to see through the sales pitch mm -hmm. that it's almost like um, someone, so many people in, in our world today are just like almost trained to see it that way, yeah, to be would, defensive of. And and that's, that is certainly true. It's a, um, a cultural outcome for sure. And I would just say that if that's the position that you're in, then you're going to be suspicious of Jesus too. Right. You know, if you take your mindset and plant yourself in the first century mm -hmm. and you're listening to his sermons, mm -hmm. you're going to be, I would say you're going to be even more suspicious right. of him <laughs> than you would yeah. be a, a lot of modern day yeah. um, teachers of the Bible who tend to be pretty um, unoffensive, mm -hmm. you know, a lot mm -hmm. of the time. And that's not what I read yep. in... Uh, in Jesus's words. So I think you got to really, b before you go, um, what's wrong with them, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I think we all have to ask ourselves the questions like, well, what presuppositions am I bringing right. to this? And is one of those that truth is bad. Right. And if you think that truth is bad, then you're not going to get along with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, there you go. That's a truth claim right yeah. there. If you well, don't like almost, truth, you're it's almost like, like, and this Jesus. may be a stretch, uh, <laughs> but it's like, we're, we live in this world where we're trained to view everything through our own lived unique personal experience, experience. Yeah. yet when it comes to viewing something or hearing something through our own unique personal experience we can't actually turn the mirror on ourselves mm -hmm. and go oh how is my mm -hmm. unique lived experience maybe mm -hmm. like causing me to look at this with a suspicious eye mm -hmm. as opposed does that make sense for sure and that's why the bible i think is so important I, and that's why biblical christianity can be the only real Christianity. Right. It's the only way that we don't make Christianity in our own image. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what needs to be agreed upon is that understanding a biblical text is often hard, 
Um, but I would say it's almost never impossible. Mm -hmm. You know, there might be some moments in the scriptures like, wow, that's pretty hard to ascertain mm -hmm. what they were saying, but those moments are like microscopic. Yeah, right. Um, and so that's why study and, and theological training, uh, is so important mm -hmm. because we understand that truth might be hard to get at, mm -hmm. but it's not impossible to get at. Right. And so if I commit myself to getting at the truth mm -hmm. in the scripture, then I, uh, I don't fall into the trap of making Christianity what I want it to be mm -hmm. based upon my own lived experiences, right. um, which typically is, an, an, you know, the outcome of that is we allow our feelings to dictate right. Um, right. what we want to be true. So it's interesting to me, actually, um, like on, on the point of indoctrination, that is, that's what I see a lot of uh, voices uh, talking about these days is that from the from a secular perspective you're not allowed to dissent right from the talking points of our day mm -hmm. um on the left-leaning end of the spectrum and if you do you get canceled mm -hmm. you know if you question whether or not uh some person's words or 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 actions or whatever like were actually racist or actually right. homophobic or whatever mm -hmm. um then you are you're put out to pasture, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're canceled. Mm -hmm. We hate you. Mm -hmm. You're done. We're going to try and ruin your life. Mm -hmm. um, it, to use, I guess, like a technical term, a lot of uh, teaching mm -hmm. uh, from the secular end of the spectrum, from the left end of the spectrum, um, is is not falsifiable in the sense that right. I'm, I'm not allowed to poke holes. And that's what science should be. That's what logical thought should be, mm -hmm. is that things have to be falsifiable. Mm -hmm. And that's how they are proven to be true if they mm -hmm. cannot be falsified. Right. But when something is not even allowed to be scrutinized and questioned, mm -hmm. um, then that, it, that is indoctrination right. in, in the real negative right. sense of the word. Right. And I think that's a difference. Like I welcome people to, to question mm -hmm. what I claim to be true mm -hmm. based upon the biblical text. Right. But don't come at me and say that you question whether or not it's true based upon your feelings. Right. Try and falsify it based <clears throat> upon... Well, the search for truth. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I think like in a lot of these kinds of, whether it's like blogs online or podcasts or, you know, any of this kind of stuff, it, it always like kind of paints and like, this is going to, I run the risk of actually sounding defensive here, but like it paints the picture as most Christians, as people who have their beliefs cannot be questioned, mm -hmm. there is no room for debate, there's mm -hmm. no room for conversation, mm -hmm. and that they just essentially shut down anyone that has a question. Right. That's actually not been the experience that I've ever, ever had. Ever had. Personally. And it's not church history. No. We, ha we have our preciously held beliefs today because right. of debate, right. <laughs> because right. of church councils, right. where they come together and they, they, they discuss the really important questions. Right. Um, and that's the story of church history. And then, uh, and then today I agree with you. My experience has not um, been that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about a couple of these truths. Here's the thing that I think is interesting. So they, they kind of uh, break down three at the beginning and then they get to some broader ones. So <clears throat> there's three that they, they use the term. And this is why I think it's so important that we like break down some of this stuff because they say that these are the fo these following three points are points of indoctrination, and they call them common examples, mm -hmm. right? So common, obviously meaning like very, very like this is the majority. This, this is, is the norm. norm. Mm -hmm. um, and I've 
actually not never been taught one of these three things. <laughs> so I, what I want to do is find out, like, are, are, do people actually grow up or are they actually in churches that believe this kind of stuff? Is this stuff? So, so the first one is this. Uh, here's a common example of indoctrination in Christianity. The belief that happiness is irrelevant and suffering for God is how you glorify him. It's about being holy and not happy. Right. Well, I think the from the very onset, the phrase, the belief that happiness is irrelevant mm -hmm. is is all the tell that you need. Right. Um, I, I've never heard any Christian say happiness is irrelevant. Right. Completely, completely pointless and irrelevant. Right. I've never heard that. Right. Now, what you may have heard is that uh, the, the, the physical feeling of being happy mm -hmm. is not the end-all, be-all of life. Right. And that we should not pursue that physical feeling of being happy at any cost. Right. And I would call that great advice. Right. Exactly. Well, that's the thing, I think, because I've heard, you know, hey, God doesn't want you happy, he wants you holy. Right. Well, okay, yeah. Uh, and that's but I'm also an adult. With, and if you will pursue holiness, that will ultimately lead to happiness. Right. Well, that's the thing. I'm I'm I'm, I'm an adult enough to know. Okay. Yeah. I you can take that statement and you can actually like spin it to sound really really negative. Right. Or I can just use critical thinking and understanding and go. <laughs> oh, I know what's being said here. Right. This isn't. You yeah. know. You can be a grown up. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I don't want you happy, but I want you holy. I I think. Um, so that's interesting. I think I think I've never heard that, at least in a way that's yeah. that's used as a weapon. And to, I would I would say for sure God cares about holiness more than He cares, cares about, about happiness. happiness. Right. Um, but that's only because He's a dad who knows His kids and knows what's ultimately going to be good for them. Like right. it would make my kid happy, right? If I did not put any limitation whatsoever on how much chocolate he could eat, exactly, it'd make him so happy, right. and then it'd make him really sick, right? Right. And so. Um, parents who care less right. and who are less invested in their children's lives might just let their kids do whatever they want. Right. Parents who care put boundaries. Right. And they know that ultimately those boundaries are going to lead to healthy, right. uh, a healthy life. This stuff is not hard. Right. Right. No, <laughs> it's not. But it, yes. But it's in fact, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's fascinating. Like I'm sure that post probably has thousands and thousands. thousands exactly. You know, yeah. likes or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here's the second one. And this was interesting because I I will say if I if I did identify with any of these there was a time as a younger Christian that I could have identified with this and figured out and and thought through oh maybe this actually is what I was taught but it's this that you will miss God's will if you make the wrong decision mm -hmm. so you live in fear of decision making sure so I remember hearing the sermon like don't sell your birthright for a bowl of beans <laughs> you know and and then there was always this there was always this idea of like what is God's plan God's plan for my life is either a or B and when when it means God's plan it doesn't mean the type of person that I am right. or the the spirit in which I approach life it's quite right. literally do I do this or, right. or do I do that it's a it's a literal road Exactly. And there's no turning back. Exactly. Yeah. And there's probably been some, again, some bad teaching or preaching, especially in youth ministries across America about that kind of stuff. But when we talk about God's will mm -hmm. and decision making, mm -hmm. is it is it is it the historic church's position mm -hmm. to teach you either make this decision or that decision? And if you make God's the decision that's God's will, everything, everything is good. Right. But if not, you're just your life is going to end up mm -hmm in a terrible place. And mm -hmm. so, okay, as a Christian, I don't know what to do and I'm afraid of making a decision. Right. Obviously, no, that's not the historic church's position. <laughs> um, and I don't know, I'm just trying to think through like my own like 
all the messages that I've heard right. you know, over the years. And um, I think that that can be parsed out, right? So no matter what decision I make, uh, un unless that, if, it, if it's not a moral decision, mm -hmm. let's just, I guess we need to put that aside for a mm -hmm. second because you could talk about it from the sense of like, a moral decision versus an immoral decision, mm -hmm. um, obedience or disobedience. Right. And if I, if I disobey, mm -hmm. uh, God's will, which is revealed to me in the word of God, um, then that's going to have consequences because mm -hmm. all decisions have consequences. Mm -hmm. And part of, uh, uh, part of sin's judgment, God's judgment for sin is built into the sin itself. Mm -hmm. Um, and that the sin bears consequence. Mm -hmm. So you look at it from that angle and go, well, absolutely, yeah, God has a will and he makes some things really clear for me mm -hmm. in regards to how I should live. And if I don't live that way, then I'll go the wrong direction. But all Christian teaching also always includes, and then when you repent, right, right, which means to change direction, to right. cha change your <clears throat> mind, um, then God's going to meet you there. Mm -hmm. And awesome, great. Mm -hmm. So I may have, uh, and let's just be like really pragmatic for a second. Let's say you're just a, like a not a believer. Any logical person acknowledges that decisions have consequences. Right. And if I make a decision and it's the wrong decision in terms of a, like a moral perspective, or maybe it just wasn't wise because mm -hmm. um, I didn't seek anybody's advice who'd walked that road before, mm -hmm. and I just stick with that decision, that's going to take me down a road and right. that's going to cost me time, mm -hmm. Right. Um, it's going to, maybe it's going to cost me money. You mm -hmm. know, I don't, it's mm -hmm. going to cost me. Right. Right. That's just life. Right. Deal with it. Right. 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 So there's that thing. And then there's the, the, I guess the, probably what they're getting on, like, do I marry this person? Do I not marry right. this person? Do I take this job? Do I not take this job? Um, and I think for certain there's wisdom in, uh, encouraging people not to rush into, mm -hmm. uh, the decisions that they make, mm -hmm. um, to have, uh, good people in their life, mm -hmm. um, that can uh, counsel them on the choices mm -hmm. that they make, uh, to be a student of the word of God so that you can, uh, help discern whether or not right. this choice is going to honor God. And it's going to, um, uh, it's going to help you live in a way that, uh, doesn't restrict you from mm -hmm. God's, like what are God's obvious purposes, mm -hmm. like serving other people, right. or what, you know? So there's like those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And I think those things should be like factored into the big decisions that we make. Mm -hmm. Um, and then at a certain point, you then got to just make a choice right. and believe that God is sovereign. Right. And even if I don't make the, what seems to be right. the immediately better choice, right. God's still with me. Right. And it's all going to be okay. Well, and it's almost like the idea that if it's God's will, it's going to succeed. And if it's not, it won't. So I'm kind of taking the ownership off of me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, this is what God wants me to do. I'm going to do it. Therefore, it can't fail. Right. And that's a really easy way to, like, mm -hmm. um, justify just a decision that we want to make. Right. You know? Yep. Um, okay, here's the here's the third one. And then we'll, we'll go into a couple of the bigger ones that they talk about. But it says this. It says... Um, this, the only solution, again, this is something that they are saying is a common example mm -hmm. of what the majority of what of is in, like common Christian common indoctrination. Christian indoctrination. Right. Exactly. The only solution to your mental health is to pray fast and read the Bible. Secular options will pull you away from dependence on God. Mm -hmm. Now, this is interesting for me. It actually hits home because I've I've not just struggled with, lived in yep. really gnarly anxiety and panic attacks since I was a kid mm -hmm. and have walked through um, various Christian 
uh, even like ways of thought, Mm -hmm. like grew up in a very like word of faith Mm -hmm. church, which you would have thought that would have been the kind of church that was just like, just pray fast and and let God deal with it. And, and that was nowhere near the way that they responded to it. Right. right. For me, it was like, I'm, I'm a teenager. I need, probably need to be on some kind of medication and I probably need to be in some kind of therapy counseling to which the word of faith community that I came up in, that would be a very probably word of faithy word of faithy on the extreme (laughs) side. Um, no, it may not be something they talked about right. in the open a lot, but I was never told like, oh, if you do this, you're you're trusting right. trusting in God, yeah. God less. Yeah. And they didn't actively promote uh seeking out therapy, but at the same time they didn't shun you. Exactly. Yeah. But I notice that a lot when it comes to mental health is like, oh, I struggled in my mental health until I got out of my evangelical bubble and I could go find some of these other solutions. Right. And I kind of find myself going like I'm all about praying and fasting and reading the Bible mm-hmm. and thinks that there is a spiritual component to mental health. Right. But have never gone, ah, oh, you know what? Yeah. I'm just like, I'm not going to talk to a doctor yeah. about this. Yeah. Well, it's actually really interesting, right? Like it probably connects back to point one in regards to like the happy and holy thing. Mm-hmm. I would think that a, a lot of Christians, if they are less open to um, seeking out counseling or therapy, um, it it probably in some ways is... Uh, connected to that idea of um, mature Christians don't automatically look at a feeling of uh, unhappiness, which maybe is manifesting in anxiety Mm -hmm. or depression, other kinds of um, mental states. They don't automatically look at that and go, uh, I have my, the objective of my life is to get rid of this. Mm -hmm. Um, I think some level of maturity kind of embraces a, a bit of a mental wrestle in life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about like the apostle Paul when he says, I'm, I'm anxious for all of God's churches. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he lived his life that way. Right. So his answer was not, well, how do I get rid of the source of the anxiety? Mm-hmm. His answer was where I am weak. God, yeah, is, God strong. is strong. Right. So that probably has some kind of connection mm-hmm. there. Now that's not to say like I've I've gone through times of of greater anxiety and times of lesser anxiety and in the times of greater anxiety I've sought out therapy and mm-hmm. and I found it to be I mean honestly kind of helpful. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't I mm-hmm. wouldn't overly um I wouldn't overly celebrate its success mm-hmm. in my mm-hmm. own personal experience. <laughs> um it was helpful. So you don't have a therapist to recommend is what you're, is what you're saying. I've recommended no. my therapist. But I get what you're yeah. saying. It yeah. wasn't, you don't look, you know, there was a before and an after. And yeah. You don't necessarily see. Like night and, night and day. I think I've, I've done like three different mm-hmm. like kind of rounds. The first one was helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second two, I think, mm-hmm. I think I just needed to grow a bit. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, it's almost like it's, we, we go into that going, and I know I've thought the same way. It's like every time I've done a different therapy, whether it be direction or, or trying to figure out something again, for me, all specifically focused on really bad anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't get to the other side of it and it's not like, Oh, this was me before. And this was me after yeah. there was definitely that, like I've grown some, mm-hmm. I've learned some stuff, I've learned mm-hmm. some tools, but I'm not, I'm not completely like fixed, right. yeah. you know, put together as a neat package at the end of it. It's still a process and a journey. Yeah. And I would say, depending on like for you, obviously knowing you as a friend, like the right move for you was to like get help. You're right. Cause there, there's a certain level of, of, um, anxiety 
that is just you shouldn't right tolerate that um and it, it is a priority mm-hmm. to get better so i, I do want to say that like that's that's definitely true um and uh sometimes prayer reading the bible and fasting isn't gonna do it right um and that's not to say that it doesn't play a crucial role in your overall health mm-hmm. including your mental health mm-hmm. Um, and there have been times where a moment with God has been the thing mm-hmm. in that season of my life I needed. Mm-hmm. I've had moments where literally one moment from God relieved mm-hmm. the anxiety for a period of like almost two years. Wow. So yeah. sometimes it's been one thing and sometimes it's been the other. Yeah. And Christians believe that certain things are are spiritual. Right. Um, and the tough thing with like diagnosing whether or not something is, and when I say spiritual, I don't mean that in like a ambiguous, I mean like right. it's like, it might be a uh, spiritual attack. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's part of Christian doctrine. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of the only one way to figure that out right. is to try and go down that road. Right. Um, so, you know, it's pretty, I, I've come to kind of like dislike this word a bit, but it's pretty nuanced. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, the 2020, partly joking, 2021 yeah, everything is nuanced. Um, but, uh, I would say uh, to some degree, um, there's, there's some truth to that, mm-hmm. right? Like that's, it hasn't been my experience. Um, my mom was a, a counselor right. and like always prioritized that I grew up, you know, as quote unquote evangelical as it gets. Mm-hmm. Um, and so not my personal experience, I'm sure it's been some people's, right. um, but I would not say that that's an accurate temperature check on the church at large. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found the church to be, um, and I guess it's probably changed over the years to the majority, but I've always found them that them being the church to really be able to deal with the mm-hmm. quote unquote nuances mm-hmm. of of mm-hmm. these kind of conversations. Right. You know what I mean? Well, let's just talk about pastoring for a second. Right. Like what is a pastor? A pastor is somebody who like guides people. Right. Um, and they're having all kinds of conversations with people. And that is in a sense, that is counseling. Right. Um, and they might not be a trained and licensed therapist. Mm-hmm. Some of them are. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, my therapist was a pastor. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I think like crucial to the health of a church at a really foundational level is having strong pastoral care. Right. So yeah, I, again, a b- bit of a caricature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Um, okay. Let's talk about two more of these. Um, we've got, well, let's just go through. Okay. So there's they talk about futurism, yeah. they talk about nationalism, mm-hmm. and they talk about uh, pastoral hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Are there, and there's a couple more. But and there was like the non-affirming. N- uh, and then there was, theology. yeah, non-affirming, non-affirming theology. Um, I'm down to tackle. Let's, let's, let's tackle, um, <laughs> let's tackle pastoral hierarchy okay. as two pastors. Um, I think this is interesting because this is, this is definitely something that I see a lot mm-hmm. um, where there's this idea that in the Christian church, it is just a bunch of, um, well, in, in some instances, they'll say just, you know, older men mm-hmm. who are the gatekeepers of truth, who mm-hmm. are the gatekeepers of theology. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's this hierarchy that essentially just lives to um, kind of sell you something that just props itself up, mm-hmm. right? And that's like a lot of what is, is being said out there. So this is, what, this is what's interesting. Uh, about this. So pastoral hierarchy. So this is how we are indoctrinated. Being taught from your pastor that they have God's truth and that if you don't agree, then you disagree with God. 
believing anyone that challenges the authority of the pastor or or what's popularity accepted as truth is at risk of following away. Because they're seen as spiritual coverings, leaders speak what God has put on their heart, in quotations, put on their heart, whether it's appropriate or not. Only certain pastors have God's truth and others are false teachers if they don't align theologically. Men's are the men, men's, men are the yeah. only ones qualified by God to be a spiritual leader and pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's like, I, I read that and go, okay, so what w- what is the truth behind that? Is there any truth behind that? Obviously, we we hold a view of church governance, mm-hmm. and I think the word hierarchy is a bit like. What does hierarchy mean exactly? Right, like it's kind of like one of those words, a system or organization in which people or groups are ranked one above the other according to status or authority. Right. Um, now, a lot of this is interesting because a lot of this speaks to, at least when I first read about this, it speaks to church governance, mm-hmm. where. You think of a church, you think of a local congregation, you think of a pastor being the one as, you know, God's anointed visionary, so mm-hmm. to speak, over that local body. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to be the one to, I guess, hear and interpret collectively from God mm-hmm. as to directional aspects, mm-hmm. as to theological mm-hmm. uh you know, theological truths that maybe the church believes in and counts as, mm-hmm. as, you know, theological doctrine that they're going to stand behind. Yeah. And then typically they're not making those, anything of real weight, they're not making that kind of choice on their own. Right. Like, um, right. Like this idea that like the pastor just sits in a room all by himself, yeah. determines what God is saying, runs with it, and everybody just gets on board or doesn't, I think is a very, yeah unfair is not the right, but it's just not a complete it's view not, not, of not, what the vast majority of, yeah, of churches or pastors or even pastors would think about themselves and yeah. the way that they hear from God and, yeah. and then yeah. teach and lead. And, and I think, first of all, there's something to be said about, like, do you believe whether or not we can hear from God? Right. And if you think we can, then it would make absolutely logical sense for somebody who um, has been called by God to plant a church, lead a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, to seek God mm-hmm. for the well-being of that church, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Jesus has uh, sp- he has specific instructions for churches. And I think about the seven churches of Revelation; he had a different word for all seven of them. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's not God speaking to you for right. a church, then I don't know what right. is. Um, and so I think that has to be said. And then. Um, like I think the the notion of like hierarchy in general like should not automatically be a dirty word, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Christ is the head of the church. Right. Like he's so there's there's some hierarchy yeah. right there. Like we're yeah. we're submitted to him. So break that down because I think that's something that you know you hear especially like someone in a senior pastor role say, okay, Jesus is the head of the church. Mm-hmm. So what exactly like what does that actually mean? So like you, as you are a senior pastor, mm-hmm. um, I obviously live very close to you. So I know the way that you operate and the mm-hmm. way that you think about this kind of stuff, but maybe break down what you view as like, um, if we're talking about that church governance, church hierarchy, mm-hmm. Jesus is the head of the church and then God places somebody, mm-hmm. like just break that down for us, like what that means for you. Well, I think on certain levels we're all, uh, sorry, from a certain, um, in a certain way, Every believer is 
standing on even ground, mm-hmm. no matter what their function is within the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that sense, it's a very flat hierarchy and that mm-hmm. we're all submitted to the Lordship of mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Um, and uh, we're brothers and sisters, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're just God's family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you could look at it like really flat like that. Um, but then also in the New Testament, um, you you have depictions of overseers mm-hmm. and like I've just, the first thir- verse that I thought of was in First Thessalonians five twelve. It says, "We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you, and are over you in mm-hmm. the Lord, mm-hmm. and admonish you right. to esteem them very highly mm-hmm. in love because of their work." So there's this sense of um, that's that's Pauline, right? So he's he's looking at church structure, and he's this church planter guy, mm-hmm. and. Um, when he plants a church, oftentimes he didn't stay in the church. And right. so when he would leave, he would install leadership, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's in a very plain sense, that's hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're over you in the Lord. Right. Um, the language is pretty telling. Right. And we, and like in, in 2021, we hear that and it's like, oh, oh over, they're what over is me. that? What no one that can be mean? over me. Right, exactly. I'm my own person. It, it, I make my own choices. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. so we just hear that and automatically we're, we now live in a world where authority is to be viewed um, That's right. bad. suspicious yeah. and, and bad, which like, look, I mean, we've grown up at a generation where authority, not just in the church, by the way, authority in general has done some some really messed up stuff yeah. and used authority as the reason to do it. But that doesn't mean that the way God's principles and the way God has created the church to operate and govern is now all of a sudden bad. Yeah. And that's where like church discipline comes into play. Right. right. Like, even um, even elders in churches and mm-hmm. leaders in churches uh, can and should be disciplined yep. when they're acting not in accordance with the word of God. Mm-hmm. And Paul talks, I think it's in First Timothy, um, like let any charge of an elder um, be sustained on like two or three witnesses, I think he says. Mm-hmm. So there should be some, pr- some protections and some guard um, mm-hmm. so that um, it's not just like easy to take somebody in a position of leadership right. out from their role. Um, but it's, pretty reasonable like oh there should probably be two people who corroborate you know (laughs) this guy or this this girl right um did did whatever yeah i think it seems like most of the time that stuff and again like i have all the experience in the world but that stuff generally bears out over time yeah you know like like it 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 tends to things where uh, church governance is like thought of properly and dealt with in a healthy way tends to bear out over a long period of time as being something that is healthy and fruitful yeah, and not just, you know, I, cause I think it's interesting, you know, anyone, anyone now can call themselves a pastor, start a YouTube account. Right. And, and talk about yep. with authority, what God is saying, yep. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that there is a reality of church governance being, um, like a safety mm-hmm. and not something that we look at and go, Oh, wait a second. It's a good thing. Um, this guy's telling me this yeah. and he has more access to God than I do. Right. And that what you're saying is that's, we, we, no, we kind of are all on the same. We can all hear from God. Yeah, exactly. But just like, it's um, like I'm not your guru. I'm not your, I'm not your priest. Exactly. Um, you're mine. But other than me, you're, you're <laughs> nobody else's. Um, but, uh, but I am a teacher. Exactly. And, and, and God gifts people to do certain things in the body of Christ. Right. Um, and certain people are gifted to teach, right? Um, and they teach the word of God, right? And uh, and we we submit to the teaching of God's word, right? And um, test it, right? Right? Like I guess don't just watch any old YouTube sermon. Be like, oh, okay, I guess that's totally that's true. real. Yeah, um, that's why you got to know the word of God for yourself. Mm-hmm. It's also to me maybe important 
and I guess we're, we're getting a bit off off topic here, but I think it's why we have to be part of a um, like a local community mm-hmm. and have a local church pastor mm-hmm. so that it's not just somebody who like I'm listening to a message. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at their Instagram account and I'm I'm taking what they say mm-hmm. as because like there is so much more to God speaking mm-hmm. and God leading a community of people than just like something that's said in a soundbite mm-hmm. in a sermon. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, totally. I think like I think about the Catholic Church, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then the Reformation happens, and, and the problem with the the Catholic Church is that there was all kinds of practice that was unbiblical. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then Martin Luther is like, "Here's my ninety five theses, and I'm right. nailing it to this this post and deuces, yep. right?" And so when when authority uh, remains unchecked um, and people are not allowed to uh, seek God and study God's word for themselves, then that's going to lead to um, a really unhealthy outcome. Mm-hmm. That's not the reality that we live in. Right. You know, um, everyone can go buy, buy a Bible and anyone can seek theological training right. and we can all grow. And mm-hmm. so I think in in some ways we're in the, we're in the best kind of setting right. with the resources available right. to us. There's to literally get. more information out there for <laughs> yeah. anybody to like, I think about that a lot, uh, you know, like, especially like teaching you just go, man, you're putting something out there and then everyone literally just has the entire internet right. to go totally. out, which can be like a bad thing, but actually can be a really yeah, good thing exactly. because it's be like, really I wonder studious. if this guy actually knows what he's saying. Yeah, exactly. And that's good. And I would just say, um, you're, you're not going to buy into or believe every single thing that your church teaches. Mm-hmm. Um, if you disagree with them a lot, then it's probably not the church for you. Mm. Um, and then I would just say, ask yourself, is it them or is it me? Right. You know? Right. Um, because ultimately it comes down to like what's the arbiter of truth for you and what's the arbiter of truth for them if for you it's your feelings and for them it's the bible then mm-hmm. you guys are not going to get on very <laughs> right. well right so you know I, I just yeah i think like spiritual uh, or church authority um is not in and of itself uh, a in, bad thing in, it's in, a very biblical right. thing right um and when it's when it's when it's done well when mm-hmm. it's done uh christ-like it should be that those who are in authority are there to serve Um, and so it shouldn't lead to abuses. It shouldn't lead to, um, the unhealthy cultures of just bossing people around or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm Um, but at the same time, it is going to involve like strength of leadership and and helping people to live in accordance with truth. Those are not always like fuzzy conversations. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're kind of hard conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, and that doesn't make it abusive. Right. Yeah. Right. And I'm not downplaying that there's real abuse. Right. I'm just saying that if we call everything abuse, nothing's abuse. Then nothing is abuse. Right. Right. Okay. You want to do one more? I'll do as many as you want. Okay. Let's, uh, what do you want to do? Do you want to do, let's let you choose. We've got non-affirming theology uh-huh. and we've got nationalism. Uh-huh. Let's do nationalism. Let's really do nationalism. Quick. Cause I was really struck by the, uh, that opening phrase being a quote, yep. real unquote yep. Christian means you must be politically conservative. Yeah, that's true. Being, <laughs> we've like established that plenty yeah, of times. Obviously, <laughs> being a real Christian means you must be politically conservative. Here's the first thing that jumped out to me: Why is "real" in quotes? Right. Because, why? Why you got to? Why? Why is real? Is that all that implies to me is that you don't believe that there's such a thing as a real Christian, right, or a false Christian, right? right. Because how dare we say right. something can be real or false? Yeah, or yeah, or true or false, right? right? Like. So we're just, again, presuppositions here. Right. So like, we're not even starting from the same place. Right. Now, obviously I believe that there is such a thing as a real Christian mm-hmm. and not a real Christian. Right. And I believe that not just because 
I think it's true. I believe it because Jesus says it's true. Right. right. Um, and then, of course, this is using the politically conservative, a.k.a. what the the right now caricature of a politically conservative person is, not what being a politically conservative person truly is. Actually means. Or even, right. yeah, or even all of the, again, great word, nuances that that, right. that, that brings to the table. It's like, Involves, no, 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 yeah. the... To, to be a real Christian means you must be a politically conservative, a.k.a. what we see on Fox News. Fox News, Right. So first of all, I think that there are such things as real Christians. Jesus taught that there would be uh, true and false believers. Right. The power of the wheat and the tares um, is what immediately comes to mind. Um, and it, so and then not even just on a like a uh, a Christian level, but even on a teacher level, you know, that, Wolves in sheep's clothing. Mm -hmm. like, where is that? That mm -hmm. phrase comes from Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, and so if there are uh, true and false believers in, in Christ, um, then what follows logically from that is that there then must be things that delineate right. between what is true and what is false. Mm -hmm. um, what we believe is one of those delineations, mm -hmm. right? There can, I, uh, if I believe um, that Muhammad mm -hmm. is the savior of humanity mm -hmm. then and proclaim to be a Christian, then I am a false Christian, okay? Right. Like that, let's just use a really obvious example. Right. So there are certain things that you're going to believe that either delineate you mm -hmm. as what I would call truly a Christian mm -hmm. or not a Christian at all. Right. Um, and then uh, I, th I think from there where you go is, okay, those, that delineation doesn't, doesn't fall cleanly along political lines. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so that you could not say uh, that real Christians must be politically uh, conservative, conservative and they cannot be politically uh, liberal. Um, but I would feel comfortable saying that the spectrum in recent years seems to be extending further and further out mm -hmm. in both directions, mm -hmm. right and left. Mm -hmm. And what would be considered like moderately conservative today uh, on political issues such as marriage, abortion, sexuality, and gender, mm -hmm. uh, to name a few. Certainly, uh, the the moderately conservative position is undeniably more biblical right. than the left-leaning position uh, on those issues. On those specific issues, yeah. um, I feel really comfortable saying that mm -hmm. um, because it's just true. Right. Like, it's just, there's... Right. There's, when you get yeah. past the, the, I think, the, the maybe the way sometimes those ideas are presented or uh, the the um you know all of the things about some of those specific issues that are weaponized by sometimes people like you said on the conservative right. side of yep. things um doesn't mean that those ideas underneath them are not biblical ideas and that's a difficult thing for a lot of people to wrap their head yeah around. at a real foundational yeah. level right like there can be you can draw horrible conclusions from a biblical truth right right that um that marriage is between one man and one woman in a lifelong right. uh, covenant. Right. And that's where sex belongs. Right. And, um, and so that can be the, the, the biblical truth. And then you can draw all kinds of wrong conclusions. God, that God created man and woman. Right. Right. Yeah. As a, as a basic tenant of you are either a male or you are a female. Yeah. That God, um, that God is into gender and right. he, he created gendered beings. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, that's a biblical truth. And then you can draw wrong conclusions in terms of, uh, oh, here's how I'm going to treat somebody who disagrees. Right. Or here's, here's how I'm going to treat somebody who doesn't live in accordance with right. what is the biblical right. reality. Um, so at a real foundational level, though, the, the view is either biblical or it's not. Right. Um, and it seems to me that uh, those 
biblical views are falling more into the conservative mm -hmm. uh, political camp mm -hmm. um, than they are otherwise. Mm -hmm. I just think that's that's kind of obvious. Right. Um, and so I think a lot of people just have to kind of get over the fear of being called politically conservative. Yeah. Like it just is what it is. Okay. So speaking so speaking of that though, it's interesting. So they go down and they they say a few more, but the last thing they say is this would be a version of Christian indoctrination under nationalism, <laughs> viewing liberalism as a demonic agenda, <laughs> including BLM, marriage equality, government financial aid, universal health care, and more. So we don't need to dive into each one of these. We've talked about right. this stuff extensively on previous episodes. Um, but I thought that, okay, so the, the hot button points, BLM mm -hmm. and marriage equality are obviously there, but then they say things like government financial aid, universal health care and more being like, again, that's a bit of that straw man right, right there. Like, oh, if you're a Christian, you think yeah. that government financial aid and universal health care and more, well, I don't know what that more yeah, is. And more. <laughs> Anything that helps anyone anywhere is demonic, yeah. right? Um, um, Anything that could, that be, could be construed as compassionate Exactly. Yeah. If you have any, if you if you're compassionate about anything, yeah. you are you have you're a demonic unbiblical. agenda, right? So let's talk about that for a second. Liberalism um, as a demonic agenda, which just to say, viewing liberalism and and comparing liberalism to a government financial aid, universal health care, and more is actually at least would seem like a mischaracterization of what liberalism actually is yeah, and that would be right? like the place I begin is people have all kinds of definitions now for what it means to be liberal. Mm -hmm. Um, it is, it's been interesting to watch over the last 18 months, uh, a lot of lim liberal people have kind of like stayed put in like in their liberal camp mm -hmm. and then left has kind of seemingly moved further and further left mm -hmm. and they're kind of like, Oh, what happened? Exactly. And so like, I guess I'm, I'm a moderate now, yep. or I guess I'm conservative, mm -hmm. not because they changed, but because the, like the party moved right. uh, and that happened on the right as well. Mm -hmm. Um, without a doubt. Um, so yeah, I guess that's the first place you have to start is what do people mean when they talk about liberalism? Um, but for me, the uh, the delineation between true and false believer doesn't fall cleanly mm -hmm. um, along political lines. Um, but it also isn't incredibly untidy either. Right, right. <laughs> In some ways, you right. know, on, on some specific issues. And right. some of those issues are, they're really like, core issues for right. um, for the political party. Right. And I don't think a, a, a conservative Christian would look at something like uh, access to healthcare and or any kind of government aid and right. not go, yeah, we should probably figure that out. Yeah, and right? I, a lot of reasonable minds can disagree on how to go about right. achieving a goal. Um, most people agree that uh, that certain things are, are good mm -hmm. and right, um, whether that's universal healthcare or, or some other example, um, it's just, how do you get there? Mm -hmm. And that's where, where there's fallout, right? right. It's like, well, I, I think that going this approach, you know, it's, we should just, we should fund it by taxing these people or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, hashtag tax the rich, hashtag tax the rich shout out to my girl AOC. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was a joke. And, uh, uh, there's just going to be disagreement about, about how to achieve certain things, right. you know, like climate change, mm -hmm. like, okay, the climate is changing. We should do something. Yeah. Great. Totally. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, let's get mad at Elon Musk for making cars that are supposed to help <laughs> literally trying to build an entire ecosystem that helps fight this problem, but he's really bad. Bro, did you check the, the stock? The yeah. It went stock? way up today, it's right? Good. Um, reasonable minds can disagree about how to get things done. And, 
I, I might agree that a certain issue itself or a certain goal being achieved uh, it is not, no matter what your view of that goal, you can be a Christian either way. Mm -hmm. um, but then we could even agree that a certain goal is good, but then try to go about it mm -hmm. in very non-Christian ways. Right. Um, and that tends to be the outcome um, whenever political visions are pursued with great deals of zeal right. and passion. Right. Um, history shows us that, you know, a real totalitarian approach to that kind of stuff. Right. Um, or a Marxist approach um, is like, is this going to cost a lot of blood? Mm -hmm. And so we, we could agree like, oh, yeah. People being treated with equality, like, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, how do we want to do that? How do we want right. to achieve that goal? Um, and that's where Christianity is ultimately going to net out at, um, oh, this is a matter of the heart. Right. And, like, the goal here is, right. like, the the inside-out conversion of yeah. a human. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Again, I think it's not that neat and tidy mm -hmm. um, for for some issues. And then for other issues, I think it's, it's neat and tidy. Mm -hmm. um, there are certain things that as a Christian, you absolutely must affirm, mm -hmm. like the sanctity of life. You must affirm the sanctity of life mm -hmm. without a shadow of a doubt um, from a biblical basis when you when you read the scriptures and it's like, oh, he before I was formed in my mother's womb, yeah. he knew me. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, just let it confront you. Yeah. Right? Um, and let it confront you for for the millions of children that, that have been lost. And so... Um, that's that seems pretty clear to me, you mm -hmm. know. And you, I, I don't know of any left leaning people who, um, uh, who hold a view to a biblical uh, sanctity of life and like the party's down with that. Right. Um, that doesn't seem to be the way it's talked about in the world. Right. Um. So anyway, that's all kind of the messy stuff of like mm -hmm. being a Christian and trying to engage with culture. Yeah. Um. And I think we are called to engage with mm -hmm. culture. Like we shouldn't go like be hermits living in caves. Um. And that process is challenging sometimes challenging but that doesn't mean that we can't be clear about what is true and what is false right yeah and really want to know and and i think the goal of this podcast and a lot of this is yeah like what are those things that culture is saying what are the narratives that are out there and how do we actually how are we supposed to think about them mm -hmm. as christians mm -hmm. right and that's why sure. we that's why we do this kind of stuff well this was fun so good this was uh we'll have to do this one again we have some really exciting interviews uh conversations coming up we have an ex uh, adult, a, yeah, an ex porn star. Yep. You were going to um, say adult film star. Adult film star. <laughs> a, a ex porn star uh, who's going to be on. We've got uh, our friend Cody who's going to come on and just talk about all things postmodernism. What is postmodernism? He is kind of a postmodern yeah. scholar. and um, He can be your guru. And then, yeah, he can be your guru. And then um, we have a guy who uh, we just. Uh, really love behind the incredible Instagram account, Brother Terry. Yes. So you need to check that one out. That's going to be fun. Well, thanks for tuning in. We got some exciting stuff coming up uh, over the next couple of months on the podcast. So make sure that you subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. You can uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Subscribe to us on um, or follow us, excuse me, on Instagram at la.church. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, and uh, we'll see you right back here next week. Thanks for hanging with us. <laughs>